It is time now for our good friend, Master Gardener Barbara Lampson. Barbara, how are you today? Hey, Karen, I'm just great despite the cold, cold weather. <laughs> it's nice and it looks like it's going to be a sunny day. I know that you wanted to talk about something new that your son introduced you to, to today, something about gardening that is new to me. So let's talk about malt. Okay. Well, you know, Karen, in the wintertime, uh, when we have our house plants and those plants that we brought in from outside, uh, it's time to really spend a little time and improve the soil, keep them healthy, you know, uh, dust and wash the leaves. And one of the things that my son does in Alaska for his plants, and one of the things they recommend is malt barley. Now, Not I, beer. We're not talking the beer, right? No, we're not okay. talking that. <laughs> we're talking the grain. And I don't even know the difference between malt barley and regular barley, but apparently there is. And I couldn't find this product uh, locally, so my son sent it to me. And here's what you do. This is uh, made up into a recipe, I should say. Does it look like grain when you get it, Barb? What yeah, is it actually? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you would recognize it. And, and you have to grind it because it's in the whole form. So you grind it, which isn't, you know, too surprising. Um, if you have uh, any kind of an electric grinder that you can use, whether you grind coffee beans or you grind uh, spices, that type of thing will work. It's just to break it up. I suppose you could also use a pestle and mortar, but that might be a little lengthy. You take that malt um, barley, and you mix that with worm castings. Oh, and you know, okay. And then you use an equal part of potting soil. So you have three ingredients, one-third, 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 and stir them up. And then uh, the idea is to go into each pot, and I use just uh, a fork. I use a plastic fork, and you scratch up that surface and so that the soil is loose. You don't want to go deep. You just want to scratch up that surface. And then I use a, uh, a chopstick to aerate. You know how important it is to get oxygen down into the plants outside? It's equally important for these plants inside. So, um, and of course, our grass, too. You know, when we have compacted grass, how we get a, we, we uh, run this machine to take out those plugs. This is the whole idea. And so, so could we use this mix that you're talking about on our, our lawn? Do you think that would help? Well, you know, uh, I think it might be expensive. Okay, yeah, that. true. I, okay. I think the idea with the, with the potted plants is that when a plant is planted outdoors in the soil, you have this microbial action that's going on. But when you make this, this false environment for them to grow in in a pot, you, the plant isn't able to, um, to utilize the microbes and things that are going on in the soil naturally because you're adding and just nature is putting in uh, organic materials right along. So that's why you're doing this. You're kind of taking the role of Mother Nature and adding this. And what this does after <clears throat> I should finish telling you, after you after you sprinkle this around, you don't put on an inch or anything like this. You just sprinkle this around the soil, and you take your fork again, and then you scratch that in. 
and then you water it. And this is for um, the microbes that you do have in the soil to uh, energize them so that the roots do a better job of taking up the nutrients that are in the soil. Well, I was going to say, I looked at the science and it says it's the enzymes that are found in the malted barley grains that break down the nutrients so the plants can (laughs) absorb them. So that's really a great thing. Yes, yes, it absolutely is. He's, uh, my son says, he, he says it this way, he says the, the enzymes in the barley excite the microbes in the soil, which stimulate the roots to take up food and grow. So <clears throat> that's, that's the story. I'm not sure where you'd get malt barley here, but that's the way you do it. And uh, I counted this morning. I have uh, 28 houseplants. Oh. <clears throat> and they're all doing well, and they all, this is the time of year where I lavish attention on them because, you know, you love to garden all the time. <laughs> so uh, today I will finish doing that. I'll make sure that they're watered, and, and they'll be all set um, until summer when I'll get them outside in their pots, and uh, then nature, Mother Nature will help me to keep them healthy. Well, you'll have to report back because I'm really curious how this this is going to work. And I'm sure you can get the malt barley online. Um, oh, yeah. I'm but sure you, you told can. me you went to breweries because you thought maybe they would have some. Yeah, well, we went to um, suppliers. Oh, okay. Supplied to breweries. And, we, and they really said, no, nothing. They had nothing like oh, that. Oh, okay. So uh, I have to say, in Alaska, um, if there's something that you can do to improve the soil or to help the plant to grow, somebody is going to be carrying it because they are always amending the soil. They have all that permafrost, and what isn't permafrost is rock. So, um, uh, And this has worked really, really well for him. And I might say, um, this is our child that is interested in, in uh, lilies now, and uh, is trying his first crosses with Asiatic lilies. So uh, big interest in in plants and keeping them healthy. I was also excited this week because I received from the uh, University of Minnesota uh, my certificate of 40 years of service to them. Congratulations, Barb. 40 years? You must be one of the first master gardeners, I would guess. in Mankato, um, there were three of us, okay. and uh, one was Marge Meredith, just an outstanding gardener, and the other one was Dr. Ronnie Burton, Verona Burton, oh, yeah. and she taught at MSU, and maybe you took classes from her. She was just really outstanding, and we three, and uh, our extension agent was Byron Kunkel, and um, the... Um, Star Tribune had run a story on this new program from the University of Minnesota for, for training people to become master gardeners and then uh, going out and educating other people. The whole idea was service um, and it was education, science-based practices, and then that they would continue to provide education for us, which they have every single year. And uh, so... I was excited about this, and, and I wrote to them and asked them if they would be bringing this program to outstate Minnesota. And they said yes, but oh. first 
they wanted to to perfect it in uh, in the uh, areas up in in the metropolitan area, and and as soon as um, it came here, Byron Kunkel was watching and applied to get it, and uh, then we had master we had people who were gardeners come in from around our area. It was not just. Uh, uh, Mankato people, but there were just three of us from this from this area, Mankato North, Mankato. Well, Barb, that's been forty years. How have things changed through the years? Because I know you keep up your continuing education <clears throat> through the Master Gardeners. Have you seen many changes through these forty oh. years? Because I mean, I've only been one since twenty sixteen, so I'm relatively newcomer. Yes, really, uh, because education has been our focus. Uh, and we had uh, we lost our elms because we had uh, an overpopulation of elms. We lost them to the Dutch elm disease. We have uh, looked at and taught about biodiversity in in the whole environment, whether it's in your garden or uh, perennials, uh, foundation plantings, shrubs, trees, and and that that was really. Uh, a stimulus to keep us going on the importance of biodiversity. So that has just become a normal now. Well, maybe not a normal. Well, I was going to say, but they, they, for some reason, neglected the, the uh, notes about that when they planted all the ash boulevards, too. So somehow yeah. that message must have got lost during those years. And, and, you know, really, we were working with people mostly were homeowners. And, uh, the, what the city was doing, they weren't listening to us, honestly, and when they went and planted uh. all those ash trees. And there was a thought, and this came down from the State Horticulture Society, too, maybe <clears throat> it's to have plantings, mass plantings of things were, of one variety was really attractive. Uh. Yeah, and, and um, you know, like when you go south, you see these these long lanes of the living oak, well, they last. They're a living tree. They last forever. But here, if we plant boulevards of one thing, um, you soon see that once one has um, become diseased, it just spreads really fast. And they have taken that to heart now because now you'll see, you know, three of one kind, then three of another, then three of another. So that's yep. been a really big improvement. You know, the other thing I think has been diversity in the people who are taking being coming master gardeners too it's men women people of all races and creeds and it's just been really exciting to see how just so many people are interested in gardening and and welcoming them to be a part of it yes and you know it's becoming more of a a family thing mm-hmm. to do and those people who don't have a space in their homes uh, to grow gardens. Now we have community gardens. The churches have been really active in, in providing land. Other organizations, even the city, has provided land for community gardens so that people can take the whole family and you can talk to your kids about food security, how to grow food, how to care for it, and how to preserve it, and the nutrient value of food. Um, our dietitians have done such a good job in working with people. We have published articles weekly from dietitians telling us the vitamin and mineral contents of foods. So this whole idea of being healthy and how to be healthy 
and and that you health doesn't come from taking pills. Health comes from the entire planet. I mean, it's breathing clean air, it's drinking clean water, and it's eating these foods that are rich with nutrients and not eating empty calories. So this whole thing has changed so that people are really receptive, you know, to getting advice. You know, last summer, fall, um, when I offered strawberry plants, I mean, 200 plants went out for people to, to, to uh, put into their own yards and gardens. And that wouldn't have been true when I started this. People were just happy to go to the store and buy and get what you got. Or occasionally, there would be someone that would have a pick-your-own-strawberry patch, and you could go and pick strawberries. But that was unusual. Most of it was being purchased in the store. But now, people want to be independent. They want to provide their own, have their own food security. Now, Barb, you've gone 40 years, and that's a big accomplishment. 40 years, congratulations. Do you get, like, a a gold watch, or do you get a plant or something? I'm just wondering. <laughs> well, you, you just you get a certificate. Okay. <laughs> you get a certificate, and I thought maybe I would bring mine down to the radio station. Um, uh, and you also, you know, we wear pins yes. uh, identifying who we are. And you get a little star to stick on there that says uh, the number of years you have been a master gardener. So now I have a 40. The last one I got from them was a, a 35-year star. Wow. And they fall off if I'm working someplace <laughs> and take a, teaching a class and it's humid out. Oh. You might lose your star. So Well, I'll but, get my five-year star this year, I think. So I'm pretty excited about that. But, man, you just are such a wealth of information. And the station has been so blessed to have you on, Barb. Just, oh, you're just amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, the more you learn, the more you want to learn. Yes. And, hey, you know, another thing we should really promote those people who have started um, their um, websites that publish uh, information about if, if your passion is iris, you can join the Iris Society, oh, yeah. and they'll have information. If you're interested in daffodils, you can find the State Daffodil Society or the Orchid Society or the Iris or the uh, Lily Society. I mean, all of these societies have done so much because... They have taken a particular plant that they're passionate about, and they have researched it. They have hybridized, they, and, and they invite people to their, to their yards to see what they're doing. Well, and I love the part, because I'm a member of the Hosta Society and the North Star Lily Society, and I believe you are too, but they have educational yes. sessions too. And, you know, the thing is, if you want to belong to a society... It's amazing. There's like five bucks a year to be a member in some cases, maybe 10 at the most. It's it's reasonable. And then we get all this great education. So I know that that's one reason you join, too, is the education. And the one thing I like is you get access to when they're plant sales, you get access to all the good stuff before everybody in the public does. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, when they have work days, when you go in and you help out, whether you're preparing for um, the bulb sale or the plant sale, mm-hmm. and you work shoulder to shoulder with someone, and they have been doing this, and they are specialists in this. You learn so oh. much, 
Yes. And I love hands-on education like that. I think that's absolutely great. How many societies do you belong to or have you belonged to? Because didn't you belong to the Orchid Society at once? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, You know, the Orchid Society, I thought, oh, I would love to grow orchids. They're so beautiful. I'd been to Hawaii. I'd been to other tropical islands, and I just fell in love with them. And then I learned a very important lesson. This person <laughs> stood up, and they talked about they were going to have an orchid sale because they had... 1,600 orchids oh in their my. basement. Under in their life. basement? Wow. Yes. And he said, you know, one of the things about orchids, he said, for me, they're very addictive. And he said, you know, I can't go on vacation. I've changed my whole life to raise these orchids. And Because who's going to come in and care for them? Who's going to water them, some of them, daily? Oh. And, um, and I thought, holy moly, uh, I really don't need this. And so I thought, that, that's it. I, I love what they're doing. And every year during the St. Paul Carnival, they have the State Orchid uh, Flower Show, which is up at Como Park, to go see them. They, they offer plants. They offer advice. They offer all these things. Oh, and incidentally, to bring them into bloom, they have to have warm nights. And so many of us in Minnesota, we turn our heat down at night. I mean, it's just just what we do. And, And the orchids don't like that. They like to be warm all the time. Right, and and that's the thing with so you did that and you learned about it and you said no well, that's not for me so that's the great thing about it and of course the more I learn about hostas the more I want and I've got over over a hundred and some named varieties so I'm starting to be a collector but when I find out some of the other people have over one thousand named varieties I think Phew, I I don't have very many at all. Well, you know I I am so interested in growing my own food and uh, I like to dehydrate food i i freeze it and i can but now i'm thinking of um next year i am going to bring in i'm going to start herbs i'm going to see how well i can do if i can get all these plants to come into bloom and stay healthy in my house i should be able to keep vegetables or herbs. I'll start with herbs. I'm going to see how that goes. And and that would be great because I love cooking with herbs. Sometimes I get it terribly wrong and I mess things up. And um, sometimes I get it right and I get a new taste or a new flavor to an old favorite. So that's worth trying too. Well, you know, you mentioned starting things inside like herbs. Do they do herbs hydroponically? Because that seems to be a thing. A lot of people now doing lettuce and that sort of thing hydroponically in their homes. And I noticed I was looking for a plant light, grow lights, and they have so many new ones now. And a lot of it's because people are growing, it's legal to grow marijuana in some places and that sort of thing. So a lot of them are those sorts of, of grow lights, but they're good for other plants too. So there's so many new things on the market that really help you out as a gardener and trying to do things inside as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that Karen, that is exactly true. Uh, you know, when we started learning about growing things hydroponically, this was um, just kind of a, a dream that this would work. And and uh, and now there are small units that you can buy with all the equipment and that and grow things um, hydroponically. I think I I think that's great. But I'm going to, um, I'm so outdated. I'm so old-fashioned. <laughs> I'm still going to use soil 
and I'm going to see what I can do under lights and with Mother Nature bringing in the sunshine. I wanted to mention one thing. You know, it's still early to start most of our seeds, but if there there are some exceptions to that, if you've thought, gee, you know, um, I love delphinians. Instead of buying plants, maybe I'll start my own seeds. And you can do that, but delphinians, they're one of those plants. They take between uh, 21 to 28 days to germinate. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the soil's got to be warm, so you're, you're going to have to have some place uh, like a heating mat, uh, the rubberized heating mat for starting seeds, to put them on so that the base stays warm. If they're cold, the next thing you're going to have is you're, you're, they're not going to germinate. They're just going to rot in there. So it takes that long. And then uh, blooming, to bring them into bloom outside, is going to take 180 days. So you can start a lot of times perennials that you love, but you're not going to get them to bloom that first year. Right. And I know I saw on, on uh, social media people are saying, well, I'm going to start my seeds now because it's February. It Unless you're doing some sort, like you mentioned, Barb, flowers that have a long uh, germination and uh, time to to get to bloom it's way too early and what you're going to end up and I've done this before is you end up with these plants that they just it's just not enough um, nutrients because they're in these little pots so there is a site on the University of Minnesota just type in University of Minnesota seed starting and they give the ideal time to start things I mean we're talking some now will be mid-March is probably the soonest that a lot of the vegetables and things in April and even May. So yes. hold yeah. back, although you might want to buy your supplies now because I notice a lot of them are selling out and you don't start with potting soil. You start with a seed starting mix because it's it's a medium media that's light and, and will be beneficial right. for the artificial. seeds. The yeah. plants do so much better. It You know, you, some of these uh, seeds are almost microscopic. Oh, I yeah. mean, they're so fine and and so that's why that's necessary and then if you learn to water at the base of the plant so if you have the your pots in a a dish or or a trough and you can put the water down in there and then the plants because you have this good starting soil they will absorb the water into the pot Mm -hmm. that is a much better way these small seeds, a lot of times, you you top water, the seed is, it gets pushed over to the side, or it might even come out, but this is a much more, uh, um, a, a, an accurate way where you'll have good results. And of course, whether you're watering in the house, your house plants, or you're going to water these new seeds, always start with the water at room temperature. Cold water is a huge shock for the plants, for the roots. And I also have a mister, so sometimes with these new little seeds, like you, you might do it from the bottom, but to keep the top of the soil moist, you just take a, a, a bo- spray bottle and just mist the top. Sure, sure. So it's kind of like, you know, when you bring a new baby home from the hospital, <laughs> yes. you have to watch and see what what their needs are because there's no book that can tell you exactly when your baby wants to be fed or what it, all, all, all these nuances that a newborn baby has and that's the way it is with plants too you have to be around you can't uh, start seeds and then leave your home and say well 
maybe someone will come in and water them once a week. It doesn't work. You have to be there checking the soil. And the best way to check the soil is to actually put your finger in it and push it down at least an inch to see if it's moist in there. You know, I've hired people to water when I'm away on vacation, not my inside plants, but my my outside plants. And unless they really know what they're doing, I mean, it helps, but really, sometimes you got to know what you're doing. And I know with your, you have so many indoor plants too, and I know you have uh, somebody help you out, but you really need to know what you're doing because you can easily kill plants with overwatering, especially. Oh yeah, and you can you can create um, an environment for for uh, fungal gnats. Yeah. These are those just about almost invisible little gnat-like things that fly around. They lay their eggs in that moist soil, and that's how you, if you've got one in the house, you have many if you keep your soil too wet. How do so, you, a lot of people want to know, how do you get rid of those fungal gnats? Because they do come up, and I've heard people that use the fly strips and that sort of thing. Uh, other people take and put sprinkle sand on top, and sometimes that helps prevent them. What do you do? Yeah, it's, you have to put in a barrier between the soil um, on top of the soil there because they will not go in there if it's sand or ah. um, oyster shells. Anything like that will work. It's just about impossible to try and cover them with a, with a, uh, like say a cardboard collar on the soil or something mm-hmm. like that. That does not work. You have to do something where you can still water, but the water will drain through that mat. And, and what happens then is the gnats simply can't lay their eggs anymore and they die out. I imagine so. diametaceous earth would work if you water it from the bottom because once that gets wet, it's ineffective. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So lots of good things, and that's what being a master gardener has been all about is, is changing our views on things, uh, learning to use new things. And, hey, I'm really excited about uh, people using uh, fewer chemicals. I yes. have been an organic gardener from the get-go, and even with the University of Minnesota, it has been hard to convince them that we don't need to spray chemicals. We just simply don't need to do that. We have to look at prevention. Always prevention be, should be in the forefront so that we don't create a problem that brings in a disease or insects and so that we're bringing in um, those uh, insects and birds and butterflies and bees and things that are helping to protect our plants and keep them healthy. And in some cases, if you are going to use chemicals, the important thing is to use them correctly. So I know as master gardeners, if we have people that we know are probably going to use chemicals anyway, it's a matter of let's figure out what's the best way to use the fewest or least amount of chemicals needed Um, you know, and find the best practices because I think sometimes, sometimes people think uh, more is better, and that's not necessarily what it isn't the case. Yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, we, you and I, want to do organic, but we know everybody else doesn't. So we have to realize that what can we do to to help you? Say what do you need, and then look to see how we can help you the best within your values. Sure, and you know, as a thing as simple as uh, letting your lawn go. A little bit longer rather than cutting it so short that is uh, a way of preventing seeds from germinating mm-hmm. that are in the lawn because if you keep them shaded out uh, many of them aren't going to chance get a chance to germinate and it's so, free yeah right right and it's free so there's just you know really good things and 
And I should say uh, we've been introduced to uh, good equipment that help us when we are out in the garden and we're weeding and doing things. Uh, you and I love the Hori Hori knife, mm-hmm. which is just, uh, it's such a good idea if we're going to be transplanting that we can use this knife, which has a serrated edge on it, and we can go down and we can just make an outline and just ease our plant out of the place that it's in and ease it into a new place. Right. Well, we are out of time, Barb, but congratulations on being 40 years as a master gardener. We are celebrating with you and so excited that you have been a part of this radio station for so long as well and want to wish you a happy, happy day. Hey, thank you very much, Karen, and have a good weekend out at the lake now. Okay, thanks, Barb. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.